so this is not intended for the show. I mean, if somehow we end up using it for the show, fine. But um, after all this talk, uh, it was a couple of weeks running that there was a bunch of talk about the leftovers on Dubai Friday. It was yeah. a challenge. And then uh, I think there was talk on rec diffs about it or something like that. They spoke about it a long time ago as well. Like when they were kind of like originally reviewing it and then, you know, comes up again because Mountain started watching it again. And... Indeed. And so I started watching it and I have one episode left to watch in the entire series. I have watched then, that means I think 27 episodes, if I'm not mistaken, of this show. I'm still not sure if I'm enjoying it. But... So this isn't necessarily a hashtag analog recommendation it's not like the thing is i am riveted by it i really am riveted by it but i'm not sure so i guess in that sense i'm enjoying it i'm not thinking it's making me very happy you know it's not it's like it's a less negative version of twitter right like i am riveted by twitter twitter actively makes me unhappy more often than not and yet i go back to it because i'm an addict this doesn't actively make me unhappy but I don't know if it makes me happy. And this particular episode, no spoilers, this particular episode I just watched right before we recorded it was about uh, the end of the ostensible end of the world. Um, I'm not going to tell tell you any more than that, but uh, it doesn't put you in a particularly chipper mood right before you're supposed to talk to your friend, Mike. So apologies if I'm a little grumbly. I should have uh, saved that for another time. So you're working hard on Tuesday morning then? Well, I was cleaning. I was cleaning at the right. same time that I was watching, so... Uh, I I take that I take that uh, I take that as a win. Were you preparing the way? Uh, you know that is an excellent segue. I guess we will be using all this in the show after all. Uh, I was preparing the way. Uh, spoiler alert for those who listen to ATP. Uh, no, it's not a spoiler alert for ATP. This is content for analog. <laughs> that's what's happening. We start. We had this conversation before you had it yeah. there. Well, that's fair. Uh, yeah. So I I purchased a computer on Friday. It is not here yet, but I purchased oh. a I purchased an iMac Pro. Um, oh. Without going into detail, I was. No, we got. <laughs> no, 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 just hold on. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. Without going into detail about the particular arrangement, I was lucky enough to be able to get it at, ah. a, at a very good discount, and I will okay. not give any more detail than that. Uh, that very good discount. Did you steal it? Uh, no, it was not a five finger discount. But, okay. <laughs> but I was able to get it at a uh, actually very steep, but uh, not five finger discount. Uh, and because of that, I was able to get a much beefier one than I would have gotten if I hadn't had access to a discount. Um, and there is a very kind individual who uh, helped facilitate that, and, and they know who they are, and I deeply, deeply appreciate it. And so it was is. Was it Tim? It was not Tim Cook, nor Tim okay. Apple. Was it Phil? No, it wasn't Phil. Uh, that's a good oh. guess. Uh, you know, quick aside, I was uh, whining and moaning about uh, another new thing in my life, which we can talk about if you're interested. But uh, we got a new TV yesterday, kind of on a whim. I can't talk about televisions right now. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry? Trigger warning? We cannot have television conversations at this moment. Uh-oh. Trouble in paradise? I don't want to talk about what happened to my television. Oh, no. Okay. I don't even want to ask, which means I'll talk to you about it after the show. But anyway, <laughs> we uh, semi-impulse bought a new TV yesterday, and I was having troubles getting it set up with HomeKit. And a long and involved story cut to the barest uh, naked robotic core. It turns out there's a particular uh, affliction with this particular kind of LG TV, wherein if you have it like synced up with your cable box, such that it can change the channel and turn it on and off and so on and so forth, apparently that precludes it from being able to access HomeKit. 
Although it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't tell you that. And so, oh, WebOS. Yes, it was delightful. And so what was happening was I was setting it up uh, with HomeKit after I did you know two or three software updates on the TV, and the TV was like, "Yes, we're good to go," and my phone was like, "Yeah, didn't work." Uh, 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 okay, well, what do you mean? And eh, try it again, I guess. Well, you, can you tell me more than that, please? Can we have something more than, eh, didn't work. And so I was whining and moaning about this on Twitter, and it occurred to me as I was in the midst of whining and moaning about this on Twitter, which, by the way, in, in my defense, got me the answer uh, by way of a couple of very generous Twitter users. It can be good for that. Exactly. Um, but anyways, um, as I'm whining and moaning about this on Twitter, it occurs to me, you know, last I looked, which was a few months ago, Phil Schiller follows me on Twitter. Should I not be whining and moaning about this publicly? <laughs> or should I be? Or is that even more reason to be whining and moaning about this publicly? So I don't know. That was a uncomfortable realization. Use for good. Yeah, that's that's the idea, right? So anyways, did I know that Phil follows you on Twitter? Did you Probably, know right? I guess it happened around the interview time. That's correct. And I would assume you did. I can't imagine actually something like that occurring and you not screenshotting it and sending it to me. So I, <laughs> I, so I would say I have known, but I forgot. Yeah, that, that is so true. And honestly, as, as we sit here in recording, I have no reason to believe he doesn't anymore, but I don't know if he does. But uh, I don't know. What if did you say? There was a way if to only, check. Yeah, if only there was a way to check. Oh, you asked me if Phil got me the discount. No, he did not. And uh, that that cued me off. Did you DM him? No, say, I did like, not. Did you slide into the DMs and say, "Hey, Phil. <laughs> hey, Phil. You see what? See up? the problems I'm having today. Can you give me? Can you help me out? No. If anything, I should have uh, slid into Hair Force One's DMs so I could bring the TV to his house and he can fix Wait, it. Wait, do does he follow no, you too? I don't think he's even on Twitter actually, as far as I'm aware. Okay, yeah, no, that's a good point. I think there's a bunch of parody accounts, some of which are very good, but I don't think he is on Twitter. Oh, anyway. parody accounts. Yeah. What an amount of work. Yeah, it is uh, It is an interesting thing. But... He does follow you on Twitter. Oh, all right. Look well, at good. you now. Look at me now. I still don't have my 10,000 Instagram followers, Mike. Still very jealous. Yeah, maybe one day, huh? <laughs> oh, brutal. Brutal. One day I'll be like Mike. I could only be. You I could keep only working be like on Mike. it. I will work on I it. I believe you can get there. Yeah. So, anyways, we got uh, sidetracked. So, I've ordered a fairly beefy iMac Pro. It'll arrive in a couple of weeks. I am happy. What happened to the. Wait, what did you order? An iMac Pro. Oh, okay. So I thought you said a MacBook Pro. No, no, no. What no. happened to the MacBook Pro? It was such a great idea. <sighs> it was a great idea. But ultimately, what convinced me of it, and a couple of people said this to me in roundabout ways, but. What convinced me not to do it was the MacBook Pro, while a phenomenal machine by every measure, uh, every measure you could think of, uh, it, it was not the machine I wanted. It was a compromise machine. This is like the first worldiest of first world problems. Oh, Michael, the $3,000 MacBook Pro I almost bought just wouldn't have been good enough for me. Like, that's, that's such a ridiculous thing. But ultimately, I didn't want a computer that big. I don't want a computer that big, a mobile computer that big. And... It would have solved a lot of problems kind of halfway, but I don't think it would have properly solved my problems. And so the way to properly solve my problems is to pour more money into it, Marco style. And so I got an iMac Pro coming to me, and hopefully next year I will find the money to get myself a brand new 13-inch uh, MacBook Pro when or 14, whenever those are updated. It took you a long time, because like you were going to be getting an iMac Pro quite a while ago, right? Yes, and then I thought my computer was better and I thought I would save myself the money and then the computer wasn't better and then it occurred to me well I'm waiting for an iMac Pro update that doesn't seem like it's going to be happening anytime soon because Intel doesn't have new CPUs for the iMac Pro at the moment 
And so all these things put together made me think, you know, I should just pull the trigger. And plus, this is my job. I do this for a living. I should have... Yeah, you mic'd it. That's what I did, right? Yep, exactly right. Now you're going to get a beautiful machine that probably has whatever this is, Mojave, on it. Mm-hmm. Or if it doesn't have Mojave, you can very easily put Mojave on it, which I recommend. Yeah, I might do that. I don't know. We'll see. Don't Catalina, because like, you had so many problems. I know. Just go back to something you know that you can personally live with. Yep. You're right. And so anyways, this is coming. Uh, I'm very, very excited about it. I really honestly am. And uh, I hope that this will solve a lot of my problems. Comically, when I placed the order, my existing iMac, which I had put Catalina on fresh, that was actually doing mostly okay and didn't seem to be having any problems. And so I was thinking to myself, self, why did you just drop like $5,000 plus on this new iMac Pro when your iMac that you have is working just fine? This is where you were months ago. And then Sunday night, this past Sunday night as we record, uh, so I'd ordered the prior Friday this past Sunday night. I'll give you one guess what happened. Machine gun trackpad came roaring back. The first time you made the sound... I actually laughed out loud. It was very funny. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I don't even remember how I uh, how I verbalized it, but you know, it's like it was like a it's yeah, very. But it was just it was the way that you, it was just because it was kind of a thought in my mind just before you did it, which was I hope he makes the sound, and then you made the sound, <laughs> and that made me laugh very much. We are we are one and the same, you and I. And so anyway, so hopefully my computing life will improve. Uh, henceforth, my TV life has definitely improved because I went from a 40-inch 1080 TV to this 55-inch uh, OLED 4K TV. Of course, yeah. I don't have any 4K content to feed it at the moment, but that's a different issue. Apple TV Plus. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true, isn't it? Well, it's 4K, HDR, Dolby Atmos. You've got uh, all that. It's well, going to rock your world, my friend. Well, except ask me what Apple TV I have. Wait. Why would I get Casey. a 4K Apple TV? I didn't have a need Casey. for it until now. Casey. What? Just go to Apple.com, give them more money. <laughs> please buy it. Please. Will I you will, please I do will. it? I will. I will. It's either going to happen for the holidays, or if it doesn't happen by January, <sighs> I will be getting one. But uh, yeah, I, well, because up until now, I only had a 1080 TV. <sighs> Why would I bother? Why would I bother? No, there are ways for you to watch this content. You can just... I can do Netflix use, on the TV. I think there's an Apple TV app, isn't there, on the OG TV? There might be. I'm not sure. But you can at least watch Netflix content exactly. and also YouTube content in 4K. Oh, I didn't think about YouTube. That's an interesting it's point. It's the only way you can watch YouTube in 4K. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so uh, my, my TV life has gotten better. My computing life is hopefully getting better. So hopefully things are improving. And some of your life is getting better. Uh, but let's talk about something else that's awesome before we talk about that. Let's thank ExpressVPN for their support of this show. You've heard me say many times how VPN can protect your privacy and security online, but did you also know that it can take your TV watching to the next level if you have a new television <laughs> like Casey Liss? ExpressVPN could be good because it can actually help you unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. So this means, say you're in America, you could use ExpressVPN to binge on Doctor Who and Star Trek on UK Netflix. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location to the UK, refresh, net, refresh Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN hides your IP address so you can control where you want sites to think that you're located. This is really useful for GDPR-based to block content as well if you're in Europe. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. Just think about all of the beautiful Netflix content that could be available to you for you to go through. So if you love anime, you can ex use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix. It's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, whatever you want, you 
can get to it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast, which you want when you're watching shows. No buffering, no lag, and you can stream in high definition. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more, so you can watch whatever you want, wherever you want. And I'd I'd say, yes, sometimes I get links to an article and it's like oh you're in Europe you can't look at this and I'm like haha little did you know and I fire up ExpressVPN say that I'm in America and I can read to my heart's content if you go to this URL right now expressvpn.com slash analog you can get three months extra free of a one year package so you can support this show watch what you want and protect yourself online at expressvpn.com slash analog our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, Michael, you tweeted something that to me didn't mean much, but to you, I think is a really big deal. And I was just curious, this may not be interesting to anyone but me, but I wanted to know what's going on with uh, Transport for London, Transport, Transport for London. What's going on with Transport? No, that was perfect the way you did it. (laughs) What's going on with Transport for London and Apple Pay? Can you explain to me like what the status quo was a week ago and what the difference is now? So now, so this is, uh, there's been a technology in Apple Pay for a little bit, um, which is to allow for something called express mode. Uh, And so what it does is allows for you to assign a card. So when you're traveling on certain uh, tube systems, underground systems, railway systems, that you no longer need to use the authentication method to use Apple Pay. So you don't need to scan your face. You don't need to double tap on the watch. You don't need to use Touch ID. You just press the device to the reader and it automatically debits the card that you have uh, assigned. It's friggin' awesome. Does this have to be for like, and forgive me because I'm not good with London transport, but my understanding is like, if I were to be there, I would get like this Oyster card thing. And and I'm assuming that- It replaces the Oyster card. That's how Apple Pay has worked anyway. Okay, so- so with Apple Pay, I don't need, I don't remember how this worked when I was there a year or two ago. I don't need any sort of like bespoke card or take like New York where you get a Metro card, right? I, you're saying even before this, I didn't need a bespoke card in order to ride. I could just, you know, take money off of a credit or debit card. The key mm-hmm. difference here is that now I don't need to authenticate to use that credit or debit card expressly with Transport for London stuff. Is that fair? Yes, which makes it faster to get through. Sure. Okay, that's that seems super cool and like more convenient. It's great. Like I had two things that frustrated me about this process. One, I hated having to do the face authentication because it's just clunky to 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 do to look at the phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the second was it took longer than if you just pressed a debit card to the to to the reader. It take like twice as long. Yeah, because you guys have wi- uh, not wireless uh, a contactless in all of your cards, yeah. right? Yeah, gotcha. yeah, exactly. So I didn't. I don't know exactly why it takes longer, but it takes longer. But it doesn't anymore. Um, well, that's very cool. And also, which is kind of cool, that it, it uh, if your battery dies, like completely dies on either device, you can still use this technology for up to five hours. Oh wow! Huh. So what that's it's cool. what it's doing is like you know, uh, like a phone has that time in it, right? Where like you can try and turn it on, and it shows you the battery. Icon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is like that incredibly low power state, right? So my understanding is that it's the same. Like it's keep when when that low power state is is in effect, you still can use the NFC technology, which people seem really excited about. But like 
it kind of makes sense to me because NFC as a thing does not require power. Because uh, yeah, I think well it does. Cards, no cards. A contactless card does not have a battery in it. Like sure. NFC as a technology does not require any power. Apple Pay requires power because they're generating the unique identifier every time. So what I expect right. happening is something is remaining powered in the like security chip. I don't think it's called T2 anymore, right? It's not T2 in the in the iPhones. Whatever the mm-hmm. security chip is, right? The secure enclave. The secure enclave. Mm-hmm. That it's probably storing some codes in there and you get to access them, which is why you can't have it constantly on because the chip requires power because it's generating the codes every time. Because in theory, if Apple didn't want to do what they do with Apple Pay, they could just stick an NFC chip in the back of the phone and you could assign a credit card to it. It could write the number to it and it's done. But that's not how how Apple Pay works. Yeah, I do think NFC on the phone side does require a teeny bit of power because it's it, it's one NFC no, it because it's doing its thing. But I mean, right. the actual technology of NFC sure. does not require power. Well, to be clear before the nerds come out and bite you, it requires power on the receiving on the receiving end. So on the yeah. end of the like terminal, if you will, but mm-hmm. it part yeah, of the but NFC that's nothing to do with your phone. So. Right. Right. And part of the NFC thing is that it actually powers the chip in your credit card or what have you uh, by, by way of, you know, like, capacitive inductive charge inductive charging or something like that you know it gives just enough power via the near field uh in order to get the thing in your credit card some power so they can communicate but yeah i take your point that's super cool and you've tried this oh yeah i've i know you've got to use it once so far but it it's perfect it's like so much faster it's so much easier this is how i kind of wished apple pay always would have been right like so i'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually genuinely very very pleased with this development it's just like a nice to have really yeah, that's awesome. That's very good news. Uh, moving on, did you celebrate Thanksgiving? You had told me last I heard that you were planning on it. What ended up happening? Yeah, we did. Excellent. We went to a, a restaurant in London. Um, it was kind of m- more of like a fine dining interpretation of Thanksgiving, like, <laughs> which was nice. Like we, we knew it was going to be fancy and kind of just wanted to see what it was like. It had all of the staples except for pumpkin pie, which I was super upset about. Oh. Um, but it was it was it was nice. The restaurant was lovely. Um, so the experience was really good. It was a restaurant called Neptune in London. And uh, we, we really liked it. But it I enjoyed the restaurant and the experience more than the food, where in previous mm-hmm. years it's been ordinary, right? Where like the restaurant and the experience weren't that nice, but the food is really good. Sure. I prefer my Thanksgiving meals to have uh, something a little bit more uh, down and dirty about them. Mm. You know, mm. like yeah. they are full of sugar, super fatty, <laughs> terrible for you. But that's right? Thanksgiving, my friend. Yes. That's what I like. Um, I mean, I did have like sweet, like what's well, not candied sweet potato or whatever, but candied it wasn't yams, marshmallow. It wasn't marshmallow, oh, yeah. which I was upset about. Like, I think they put like maple syrup on them or something. But like, I wanted marshmallow pieces, right? Like, and, and I wanted a big, huge slice of pumpkin pie. Like, sure. they didn't even have apple pie. They had an apple oh, tartan. Come on. Right. So they had an apple dessert, but it was a tartan rather than an apple pie. So, you know what I mean? They were like going yeah, yeah. for it. 
you know mm-hmm. like i was there's like oh roasted corn i was like all right we'll, we'll first like start a roasted corn and a tomato salad that sounds nice but it was like baby corn not regular size corn it's like all right they did a few things the, the turkey was really good the sides the mashed potato was fantastic but like you know uh, it was it was a really nice thing to do but next year we're gonna we're gonna go for something i think in it, what I have found when having Thanksgiving dinners outside of America is that you want to try and find a restaurant which has Southern influences. Yeah, that makes sense. They, in my opinion, tend to be the best uh, non American Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, it may obviously, I mean, I would actually expect that a Southern influenced Thanksgiving dinner is probably nicer anyway in most instances, but. Mm-hmm. So to that end, uh, we had we alternate back and forth, which we've talked about several times on this program. We alternate back and forth. So this year it's a Aaron's family Thanksgiving, my family Christmas. Next year it'll be an Aaron's family Christmas, my family Thanksgiving. And so uh, we went to Aaron's dad's. Her whole family was there, including her mom, um, uh, because they are they are divorced, but uh, they get along extremely well, which is awesome. Uh, and anyways, uh, when we sat down to eat, I wish I had taken a photo of this, but I didn't. There was a humongous serving dish full of mashed potatoes. And at the top of that serving dish full of mashed potatoes, there were two or three different pools of molten butter just sitting on top of the mashed potatoes, which is in, just, it just unspeakably unhealthy. But, oh, my God, it tastes so good. It tastes so unbelievably oh, good. It, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so good. And so the meal, our meal was excellent. It was a fairly unremarkable Thanksgiving. Um, I I stayed at home with Michaela during her nap, which runs from one to three in the afternoon. And and although the Casey List family does eat dinner pretty early by most regular person standards, we usually eat between five and 5.30 most days on events like Christmas or Thanksgiving. And I don't think this is unusual. We'll eat or even earlier still as you know a broader family. So I think dinner was served at like four or something like that. And and I didn't make it to Thanksgiving because of Michaela's nap until like 3.15, 3.30, something like that. And it's not a complaint. Like, I was glad to stay back and, and give Michaela a good nap and, you know, take care of that and give Aaron some time with her family uh, without me, but with Declan, but without me, which is unusual. Uh, but the thing of it was, by the time I got there, then we kind of ate and then the kids had to go home to go to bed. And so I felt like it was a very unremarkable Thanksgiving. Um, it was just like all of us having Thanksgiving food on an otherwise normal night, you know, and which is mm. fine. Uh, it, it's not a bad thing, but in retrospect, I wish I had done the like, go around the table and say something you're thankful for, which is so cringy and, and silly, but also nice at the same time. And so, uh, that was a little bit of a bummer, but it's nobody's fault. Uh, but other than that, the food was excellent. We of course had leftovers for days and that was great. Um, uh, did you, you don't, are you familiar with uh, green bean casserole? Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, green? we had that. Yeah. So with like the crispy onions on top is the way you typically find it. And like, mm-hmm. you know, green beans and whatnot. Um, I had I love, bacon pieces in it, which was nice. Oh, I bet that was tremendous. Anyways, uh, it's really, really good. I really, really like green bean casserole and mashed potatoes. I'm actually not a big turkey person. So I typically have ham if it's served, which it was, which was excellent. I don't know. It was, it was good. It was the, the food was incredible. Um, stuffing. I love stuffing. Um, so it has another name, I, I think, in Canada. Uh, dressing? Is that right? I don't know. That it's, doesn't uh, make sense. Dressing? Uh, no. I, I agree. I agree. I'm pretty sure that's an alternate name really? for stuffing. Uh, you'll have to check stuffing my work on that, but I think that's right. Canada. Maybe it's not Canada, though. It might be somewhere else. Maybe it's a different area of the country, and I'm just trying to, <laughs> to exile them to Canada. It looks like they call it stuffing. I don't no. know. 
Uh, it's somewhere. Mm. Somewhere there is something called dressing. Uh, Low grass willow will grow in the chat is saying dressing equals stuffing. So Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the same thing. It's just called, I don't know why. Anyway, in any case, stuffing slash dressing is delicious. I love it. And we had a good one, a homemade one uh, this year. So it was good. I uh, really enjoyed it. So my recommendation, not actually my recommendation, but one of my recommendations is have yourself a Thanksgiving dinner. It's it's delicious. Oh, and uh, No Grass Will, Will Grow is uh, elaborating that they are from North Carolina and apparently stuffing and dressing is interchangeable there. So it's not Canada. It's the neighbor. It's the neighbor just south of uh, Virginia in North Carolina. Does your stuffing have meat in it? Like you? So... I would say the canonical version, including in the List family, does not have meat. However, I have had mm. like sausage in the stuffing. Yes. And oh, mm. that's good. Oh, that's good. That is some good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I like right it there. with sausage in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good choice. Typically, we don't do that, uh, but I have nothing against it. It's an excellent choice. And also, we, I know this will surprise you and the listeners. Erin uh, and I actually both, re- I'll throw her right under the bus with me, really like just the boxed stovetop stuffing. I, I love the stovetop stuffing. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I've never had that one, but mm-hmm. there is a company uh, here called Paxo, mm-hmm. and you buy like a mix from them, which yeah, yeah. you cook and put some sausage and stuff into, and that that stuff is the bomb. Like, yeah, it's so good. You can make your own, and that's going to be great too. But like the box stuffing is is real good. Yeah, I agree. All right, so I'm lightly, casually recommending Thanksgiving, but I have other actual recommendations coming up. But before then, Michael, you have been uh, periodically mentioning this in the various places that you and I frequent. What is your recommendation for this fortnight? The Bon Appetit YouTube channel, the greatest YouTube channel ever created. This is taking the world by storm all of a sudden. Who is the generator of this? Is this a MarcoNuts.com thing, or is this something different? Oh, I just... um... Well, you I mean, it's massively, mm, no, not amongst my friends. But basically, it seems like everyone that I know that's talking about it seems to have came to it on their own just oh, because yeah. it's massive. Okay. Right? So like they're two, they're, so the Bon Appetit YouTube channel is Bon Appetit the magazine. They have a YouTube channel where uh, they started doing regular recipes. Then they moved to more of a character influencer based model. And they have a bunch of shows that live inside of the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So there are uh, their their presenters are called editors. There are about seven or eight regular editors, some contributing editors, but the seven or eight kind of make up the bulk of the content that you're going to see. The Bon Appetit YouTube, bon Appetit YouTube channel is pillared by two shows. One is called Gourmet Makes, which is hosted by Claire Saffitz, and one is called It's Alive, which is hosted by Brad Leone. Um, those the two of them are the most popular and then there are other things i really like the reverse engineered series that chris morocco does as well and we're dipping into some of the other content now these are the best videos on youtube they're the most fun they're the most calm they're fantastic uh i have put in the show notes this is not my suggestion for a starting place but what made me think of recommending this today is a series that they call making perfect where they all all of the editors teamed up to create the perfect uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, that's cool. What I recommend you start with is uh, pick any Gourmet Makes episode that Claire does. And basically, she recreates food that you may be familiar with. So she might make like uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, Oreos, 
um, she's a pastry chef, and she tries to make them from scratch a like a gourmet version of a treat, a candy treat of some kind. And to right? be clear, it's not even just baked goods. Like I'm looking at this playlist that they have on off you know, off their channel, and one of the videos is pastry chef attempts to make gourmet gushers. Now, if you're not familiar, gushers yeah. were like uh, little fruit snacks from when I was a kid, and inside the gusher would be like a little bit of fruit juice or something like yep. that. I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that is not exactly highbrow to begin with. Like you could make an argument that Krispy Kreme is. Maybe it's not highbrow, but it's, you know, something that's more involved and fancy. It's a baked good. It's a donut. Everyone likes donuts. And then there's gushers, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she does. Uh. It is more like that. Like she's made Pop Rocks, Pringles, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And then also uh, just start with episode one of It's Alive with Brad Leone. It's just, these two shows are fantastic. My favorite is It's Alive. I love Brad so much. He is so friggin' hilarious like that that content is just so this word i think is is almost overused now but like very wholesome it's just very Mm -hmm. fun it's calm it's nice um and we're learning like you know we're we are learning cooking stuff like we just got a sous vide and we've been watching some recipes uh from bon appetit like about making good sous vide steak and stuff like that. So like there is, they are actually cooking, but these two, these two series are mostly for entertainment purposes. And then they also have a lot of instructional videos as well, but they are presented by the people that you know, and they have still have heart to them. They still are funny. Um, It is the Bon Appetit YouTube channel is a powerhouse. Like I actually just watched uh, an interview that, that Brad Leone did and it was pointed out, which is really true. Bon Appetit is one of the only uh, New York-based media companies that not only survived the pivot to video, but thrived in it. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Because they have turned something, they have turned this into their most popular thing. The Bon Appetit YouTube channel is probably now more popular and well-known than the magazine oh, that's that wild. funds it. So huh. it is, you know, I mean, like you look at the, the, their most, the, the Gourmet Makes videos are their most popular videos, and they do, on average three to five million views a video oh goodness with brad's content kind of being around a million to two million that's incredible they have created absolute bona fide celebrities from this uh this model that they've got uh it is i just i cannot recommend it enough it is this is not only my recommendation this is like my favorite thing that i have discovered this year and the way i discovered it is the youtube algorithm recommended some videos to me of the gourmet make series and then next thing you know i kept seeing those and i watched one here and i thought oh this is good and then i kept seeing references made to them online and i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna dig into these a little bit more and then there it went Hmm. that's very cool now how does this compare in your world to uh binging with babish uh because i believe that you have talked in the past several times about how much you enjoy that the Babish content is probably why I was recommended this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Babish, but it's not as, you know, it's very different to Bon Appetit, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Babish stuff is, is really great, but the Bon Appetit stuff is, a, is like, it is focused more around the personality of the individual where like there is a lot of personality in Benjamin Babish, but it is still instructional. 
like first and foremost instructional, even though you would never make a lot of the stuff that he makes. Sure. Where like the you know the stuff that's happening on the Bon Appetit channel is they're instructional, but you can ignore the instructions. It's not important to what you're watching. Mm-hmm. You'll see. Yeah. I'll Go watch it, it. You will love this stuff. Trust I bet me. I will. I've actually. I, I don't. I haven't been paying a lot of attention to YouTube lately because of the aforementioned uh, the leftovers, among other things, but. Uh, I have really enjoyed Babish's videos. I don't know if I ever said that to you, actually, but I have gotten into those quite a bit, um, I, and I've hmm. really, really enjoyed them. And especially the being with Babish, that was like the the uh, gateway drug mm. for me, was the mm-hmm. ones where he uh, tries to do something nice for some of his fans, which I just, they're, they're wholesome is a great word for it, to steal one of your lines. Did um, you watch the one with his brother, the no, Tesla? No, okay. I don't think so. I, th- I think I'm like two or three behind at this point. Um but the ones I've seen, I've only seen three or four of them, actually, but they were extremely, extremely, extremely good and, uh, mm-hmm. and very, very wholesome and, and enjoyable. Uh, for me, I would like to recommend, uh, given that it's the holiday season now, I'd like to recommend two different uh, Christmas things. Uh, first of all, Claymation Christmas, which I believe I made you watch for Mike at the Movies, if I'm not mistaken. Episode 96 of Analog you, sir. was about Claymation Christmas. It is uh, not easy to find. You can buy a DVD on Amazon. It appears that somebody's put together a playlist of basically all of the songs from uh, Claymation Christmas on YouTube, which we'll put in the show notes. Um, additionally, I was trying to find them, uh, a minute ago and I couldn't, but this is why I am so obsessed with Plex and with being a digital hoarder is over the last couple of years, I think 2016, 17 and 18, I do not think it's happening this year. Now the acapella group Pentatonix have done, uh, specials, hour long specials on NBC that air once and only once, as far as I'm aware. And they sing, you know, a whole bunch of Christmas songs and they're really, really enjoyable. They're super campy, but they're really enjoyable. And I recorded all three of them, uh, over the last few years and they are still in heavy rotation in our house. And we'll put those on in the background as we're, you know, decorating or cooking or what have you. And, you know, they're mostly music with little ridiculous skits in between and I love them so much. And this is why I'm a digital pack rat, ladies and gentlemen, is because I still have these, even though they have fallen off of the internet. I mean, I'm sure you could find them somewhere, but as far as I can tell, they've fallen off of the easy parts of the internet. And so I I love them and I cherish these and other specials like it that I've that I've recorded and, and saved into my Plex library. And this is why, so I can enjoy them forevermore. Also, I wanted to make a quick bonus mention of The Good Place, which just ended the entire series a week or two back. And the ending was like, not the last episode in general, like the last season, season and a half, I wasn't in love with, but I do still in, I did still enjoy it, but what a great, and I'm not the first person to say this, but what a great show to just binge. The episodes are like 20, 25 minutes each. You can plow through them incredibly quickly. The first season or two is extremely enjoyable. Uh, I loved the good place. And now that it is completely finished, you know, whenever it starts appear, whenever the final episode starts appearing on streaming services, uh, you definitely should give it a shot. It is very, very good and thinks makes you think while also making you laugh, which is a great combination. Did you watch the good place? I don't recall. I watched the uh, first season, like half of the first season, and then had the fatal flaw that many people have where I thought I worked out the show. Ah, uh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I get what's going on here, and then stopped watching it before it took its turns. And I'm mm-hmm. aware of some of the turns that it yep. takes, but not completely. Like, So yeah, I've yep. been spoiled a little bit, but not too much. So every time I take a long flight, I download the first season and never watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so. well at least you're trying 
At some point, I will, though. Yeah. At some point. It is very good. It is very, very good. But you know what else is very good, Mike? What? Linode. <laughs> I knew. Today's episode is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud and get everything up and running in seconds with your own choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serve their customers with the help of 10 data centers spread across the globe. They've added more. They've added Mumbai, India, Toronto, Canada. They're really making sure that they are getting things spread out as fast as they can so you will have the best performance no matter where you are. Linode feature native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, meaning you are able to serve your customers at lightning fast speeds. And you never have to worry about overspending because they have designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services such as backup and node balancers. Linode has pricing options available for everybody. Their plans start at just a gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans as well. They start with 16 gigabytes of RAM, and you can go on from there. And Linode has a great offer for listeners of Analog. Just go to linode.com analog and use the promo code analog2019, and you will get $20 towards any Linode plan. So if you sign up for the one gigabyte of RAM plan, you'll get four free months of service, and they have a seven-day money-back guarantee. So, linode.com, L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash analog and promo code analog2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So, let's do some Relay Feels. I have some questions. I have a big selection of questions from Champion Chaz today. Excellent. Excellent. Let's start. Chaz wants to know, how do you deal with listening to ads and podcasts? when listening to old episodes, say six months old? Do you skip through them or do you feel the need to listen to them as podcast ads are how much of your income is like because it's a large uh, part of your income and how it's generated? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, generally speaking, especially on older stuff, I, I'll, I'll blast through them. Although I definitely do, and I would say this because I should, but it's also true. I definitely uh, will listen to all ads for things that I've not heard before. So if I hear a new sponsor or even if I hear a new sponsor on a show, so um, I'm trying to think of an example and I can't off the top of my head, but suffice to say, if, you know, maybe let's take Squarespace, which obviously is, is advertised in a bunch of different places, but let's say I hear Squarespace for the first time on Upgrade. And again, they've probably up, done Upgrade a million times, but I would probably listen to that to hear your or Jason's take on a Squarespace ad, because I just think that's interesting. Um, but uh, for older stuff or stuff that I've heard a bunch of times, then yeah, I might skip through it. How do you handle it? Mostly the same. I'm, I listen to most ads just because I want to hear how they're done. I don't yeah. know how, how how I would listen uh, if I wasn't in the business. You know, just listen to the ads. If you're going to skip the ads, just remember that we have the ad and remember the promo code and go, you know, when you or if you eventually decide to buy that product, use the promo code. But like, you know, I really ask, don't skip ads just out of the point of them being ads. Like some ads, I mean, we all, I don't know. I try at least to make them entertaining. Yeah, I agree. There can be entertainment in there. Like, yeah, there, there really also, is. We, you know, I get it. I can understand. But we also, we, you know, we need to make a living. Yeah. <laughs> like, please. <laughs> please. Uh, no, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, some of my favorite 
ads have been the ones that have been entertainment. And sometimes I can't think of an example offhand, but some of my favorite moments in a show are because of the ads or riffing that comes after the ad, you know what I mean? Or something like because of what was said during the ad. And so mm-hmm. there's, there's more there than meets the eye. And it's only a minute or two in the span of like, that is your choice. You know, yeah. we're not going to force you if no. you don't want to listen to them. I don't, you know, I don't want to make you so that's true, but you should, uh, Mike, how often just think, you... just think that lose a meal every time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Mike, how often do you use your standing desk? I'm assuming this is implied to be in the standing position. Yeah, never, because it's broken. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I knew you didn't use it a lot. The motor doesn't work anymore. No, I didn't. I mean, it doesn't matter that it's broken. I still wouldn't use it. Um, but when I was in the midst of my back problems, I was trying to to raise it, and the motor's broken. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's really too bad. I, I mean, I don't care that much, right, because it's just like, whatever. Yeah, that's fair. I want a standing desk for home, but I don't want it badly enough to uh, to what's the John phrase that you used in the beginning of the show? Uh, making Preparing the way, the way. preparing the way. Uh, if you want to get a desk, though, now is the time to get the desk. I will say that yeah, it doesn't have to be a standing desk, but if you want to replace your desk, you should do it right now. Yeah, you know, because right. otherwise you won't do it. That's true. Uh, yeah, but it's fine. Spend not more money. Yeah, why not? We. Uh, good. Listen to an ad. Can I tell you about Squarespace? Actually, look, we're going to tell you about Squarespace soon. I didn't even realize. Look at that. Yeah. I so badly want to do the ad right now. We can do it. Whatever. Hey, Mike. No, that's crazy. It's too, no, no, it's too soon. It's too right. soon. I want to right. subject people to that. You can't do two ads that soon. All right. It's a teaser. It's a teaser. We're professional podcasters around these parts. Yeah, our next question from Champion Chaz is for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey, you've spoken about feeling like the third host of ATP. If you were to start, we can, you, can, you can address that in a moment if you want mm-hmm. to. If you were to start a brand new podcast with somebody who wasn't as micro-famous as you, do you think that your view of yourself would be any different? Would you put a different level of pressure on yourself in that capacity? That's a really interesting question. Um, There's a lot of interesting parts. Yeah, there, this there's one. a lot of interesting parts there. Uh, am I still the third host of ATP? Yes, but do I feel like it actively anymore? No. So what I mean by that is, I always felt like a hanger on for the first like two or three years of ATP, but now six years in, coming up on seven, is that right? Something like that. Seven years in, it, I don't. I don't think about it very often anymore. It, it occasionally happens, but I don't think about it near as much anymore. And so I think that's a good thing. And there's certainly been times that people have written via Twitter or email or something and said in so many words, you know, oh, you made fun of yourself as the other guy, but I didn't know who any of you were. I had no idea you were the other guy until you said something. <laughs> so um, so that that has made me feel good and has happened over the years. Uh, if I started a new podcast with a co-host who wasn't as micro-famous like that as you, uh, do I would I feel myself any different? I think I would feel different. I think I would feel like the old man and uh, and the the seasoned veteran, the professional podcasters, if you will. And I don't want to make any promises, but I've got a couple of different things that I'm trying to make happen, and I, I honestly don't know if they will ever come out. But well, if they do, if they do. I am, there's, there's a couple that I'm really excited about. And, um, and so if, if it does work out, this, this would probably, this, this is one of the situations that could, or almost probably would happen. And so we'll see, we'll see, hopefully if, if all goes according to plan, we'll see. And would I put a different pressure on myself? Absolutely. Because this would be me not really standing on the shoulders of anyone else. This is standing as my own man, you know, and not to say I wouldn't have a co-host or anything, but I, in the situation as presented, you know, the co-host is someone who is less well-known. 
well, then it's a lot of pressure on me to make the show not suck, especially since in this hypothetical, there's a decent chance that I would have to learn how to edit it and do the editing. And that would be all new for me. So, well, I think, I think more than anything, um, and more of where the third host idea comes from in the first place, in those instances, you are responsible for bringing the audience. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. I didn't look at it that way, but you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And that, that's a lot of pressure. Like, I think that's what this question is about. Yeah, I, you're right. I didn't even think of it that way. Like if you started a show with somebody who doesn't have an audience of their own, the show's initial success comes from your ability to bring along an amount of people who care enough to want to consume the content. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. But I mean, the people who listen to this show, especially in the people who listen to me in general, tend to be extremely kind and, and uh, open-minded people who will try almost anything at least once. And so... Hopefully, hopefully in the future, I'll ask you guys, you, you folks to do that. We'll see. We'll mm -hmm. see. I have another question for you. Mm -hmm. Now that you don't have a jobby job, have you considered starting <laughs> a car podcast again? Ah, oh, man, that would be I, fun. I placed these two next to each other very purposefully. Yeah, I know you did. Uh, I would love to. Uh, I learned a lot from Neutral in many, 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 many different ways. Uh, one of the things I learned is that I have a lot of theoretical knowledge and almost no actual knowledge about cars. But it's one of my favorite pastimes is just talking about cars in any way, shape, or form. And so if I had, I mean, if I could, I would just start Neutral up again with, with Marco and John because I think that was some of the most fun I've had with them and, and some of the most fun I think I have on ATP, not to paint it as like it's a slog or anything in general. I always enjoy recording ATP, but some of my favorite moments on ATP are when we get to goof off and have like mini neutrals during the, during the show. And so, yeah, if the stars Did you align, like ours? I, I haven't heard it yet. I know what you're referring to. Ah, I heard, you're killing I, me. I'm so far behind on podcasts, Mike. I probably have 30 or 40 podcasts that I consider unskippable in my queue right now. It's, it's awful. You should just go to that one. It, yeah. It was that the most recent one or the and, one prior? And listen to the Tesla. Yeah, 271. 271. Okay. I will move that to the top of my queue. Um, no, I, I heard a little blip of you guys making fun of yourselves and deciding who is who, which made me laugh quite a bit. Uh, but no, I'm not I haven't sure heard if we're making fun of ourselves. If that's the route you want yeah, to that, believe that, for that one, <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with it. For my own well-being, that's what I need to believe. Yeah. Oh, goodness. That was two. God, I have so many podcasts to listen to. You said 271. I'm going to move that right up to mm -hmm. the top. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, but um, but yeah, I would love to do a car podcast again. It's just, I don't know if there's any audience for it. Michael, during one of the 2018's pre-Christmas episodes, you mentioned spending some time with your father for the holiday. You had mentioned a previous episode of Analog that you had never really, that he had never really been part of your life growing up. What happened that got you back together to the best that you're willing to share? And how much did the how did the Christmas meeting go? And have you kept in contact with him since? I wanted to include this question because I feel like it touches upon maybe a history that is not completely accurate that I have portrayed over the history of this show. Mm -hmm. um, my dad has not been very present in my life for a selection of reasons that I'm not going to talk about. Mm -hmm. But he has always been around. So like my parents split up and got divorced when I was uh, three or four years old. And since then, like from the age, from that age until maybe the age of like 18, I saw him twice a week. And then since then see him less um, just because life and, 
interests, you know, like we don't, me and my dad actually share a lot in common. Um, so we don't really have a lot to talk about. So as we got older, the requirement to see each other on a weekly basis uh, was not needed. Um, or it just became less of a thing that we enjoyed together. And so I see him a few times a year now. One of them is always at Christmas. And so, you know, we have we have a better relationship now than we ever have, but we also see each other way less than we ever have. So that's kind of the background there. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like those are related, that your relationship is better because it's not being forced upon you all the time? No, our relationship is better because of him. Oh, interesting. Like sorting his life out, basically. Yeah. Well, that's 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 excellent, and I'm glad to hear it. I met your dad extremely briefly at your wedding, and it was uh, lovely. Did. And it, it was lovely to meet him. And I only spoke with him for but a moment, but he seemed like a very nice guy. So he's all right. <laughs> I'm glad you two have uh, reconciled to some degree. This next one's for you. Should we darling. do that Squarespace ad now? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. I, I was waiting for you to ask me the next question. And I completely ignored the humongous Squarespace. We've been, everyone's in, been waiting on the, on, like they've been anticipating this I know. one. We've See, been I just teasing wanted, it for the last 10 minutes. I wanted to make them continue to wait, but we shouldn't because that's how awesome Squarespace is. Why don't you tell me even more about how awesome Squarespace is? Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea so you can make your next move with Squarespace. They have all of the tools that you're going to want and they give you all of the functions, all of the features that you're going to need, and they do it all in an all-in-one platform that you don't have to install anywhere, that you don't have to patch, you don't have to upgrade, that you don't have to learn anything about how to use because their system is so simple, it's so easy. Everything's drag and drop. You build it all in the web browser. It's super easy. There's drop-downs and little fields you can customize. You can drag stuff around. It's super easy. It's very visual. It's a wonderful way to build a website, and that is why I have been a Squarespace customer myself for about a decade now. That is no joke, by the way. I have been using Squarespace for 10 years. My goodness. Isn't that wild, Casey? That is extremely wild, but unsurprising because that's how awesome Squarespace is. You, no matter what type of website you want to build, you can do it. An online store, a portfolio, a blog, a site for business, a site for a band, restaurant, an event. I have built Squarespace websites for blogs, stores, Entire podcast networks. Uh, <laughs> I I did that. Um, well, I was in, in like 2012, um, my wedding website was built with Squarespace. The theme system w- website is built with Squarespace. I love them. I am happy, always happy to talk about and, and ex- kind of extol the virtues of Squarespace to anyone that will listen because they've been great for me to be able to build the websites that I want. But they are also a great supporter, a wonderful supporter of podcasts. Like, I'm not kidding. Squarespace have been an advertiser on my shows since 2012. And it's 2019. It's like seven or eight years Squarespace has supported my work. So that in and of itself is a reason to consider them because they are a patron of the podcast arts. Go to squarespace.com slash analog and you can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required. The plans start at just $12 a month and you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show by going to squarespace.com slash analog and using that code analog to get 10% off your first purchase. A thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. See, that was a good one, right? That was good. That's good quality content See? right there, Michael. It was a good one. You don't mm-hmm. want to miss that. You do not. Do not. All right, so is it my turn to ask you another question? I think it here? is, yes. 
Casey, what is your second favorite sci-fi television show? I'm assuming I said that Firefly was my first. Is that where this is coming from? Because that's true. I think it's just a natural assumption. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, My second favorite sci-fi television show, uh, off the top of my head, and I would probably change my mind about this if I thought more about it, but I really, really loved Star Trek The Next Generation when I was a kid, and it was still like new and airing and so on and so forth. I have not gone back to rewatch any of them if ever, in at least a decade. And I kind of want to go through Max Temkin's list, which is somewhere that we'll try to find a link in the show notes. But he has a list of like, hey, if you really want to get into Star Trek or just like get a taste of Star Trek is maybe a better way of looking at it. Here's a handful of episodes I think you should try. And at that point, you're either going to like it or you're not. And I kind of want to just do that list to get like an abridged version of The Next Generation and, and give it another shot. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that when I was a kid and off the top of my head, that's probably my second favorite. Do you have any favorite or second favorite that you'd like to ask or like to share? Of a sci-fi show? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know oh. if I could think off the top of my head, like of a, of a sci-fi show that I would consider, because I never watched Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know, actually. Are you watching Mandalorian? Because I am not. What country am I in, Casey Lewis? Well, you have ExpressVPN, man. You can make it work. I can't get out. I can't sign up for an account, though. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Never mind. Uh, or download enough. any of the apps. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. I take that back. I'm sorry. That was not a deliberate troll. I wish it, I wish it was. That was an accidental troll. Um, now, you know what? It just occurred to me, though. I, this was in our show notes earlier, and it got punted for a good reason. But uh, Aaron and I have been watching For All Mankind. Oh, so good. We're episode behind, though. Yeah, I'm a couple episodes behind, I think. Um, I don't know if I would go so far as to say my second favorite, but it is a very good show, and I am quite enjoying it. Uh, and so that, I think, gets honorable mention here for probably That's both of us. That's the real winner of the Apple TV Plus content. I, so I actually, I like Morning Show a fair Love bit. Love Morning Show, too. I think it's really interesting, but For All Mankind is the best one. It's, got, it's the best concept. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, I, I do really like For All Mankind. I like the it more than The Morning Show. on its own, like, is a good television show. Like, you know, you can execute it within a, a range, right? They mm-hmm. are executing towards the top end, in my opinion, of, like, the quality of how that show could go. Yeah. But just the idea is so solid that you get a lot of wiggle room in whether it's a good show or not, in my opinion. And I think that they are firing on all cylinders with it. Yeah, I agree. How far behind are you? Uh, I think... Only the most recent we haven't seen, and I don't know. Okay, um, I don't. I don't know how to share where we are without spoiling some. So I don't want to even share. You know, like I don't want to give you like a, a landmark within the context of the show. Yeah, but if you're only like one or two behind, you've seen some of the best stuff that the series has to offer. Like some of the best moments are in like episode four and five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's very very good. I've really enjoyed it. Mike, does hosting podcasts with CGP Grey and the Studio Neat Boys make it uh, more difficult or easier to enjoy their products? Uh, the more I find out about the work that all of my friends put into their products, the things that they make, or the th- like, this includes videos, podcasts, uh, physical products, the more I learn about it, always the more respect I have for what is produced. Yeah, I think that makes sense, and I think I agree with that. Uh, I'm not as close with any of the three of them as you are, although I consider all three of them friends. And yeah, I completely and utterly agree with you. Do you prefer a television show using its own song or for its theme 
or a pre-existing song, like for example, Top Gear using the Allman Brothers' Jessica mm-hmm. as their mm-hmm. song, uh, and also what's your favorite theme song of all time? Uh, I think I prefer unique compositions, or at the very least, compositions I don't recognize from anywhere else. Or compositions uh, that became famous because of their use in the television show. Yeah, so I'm gonna right? really, I'm gonna really make a bunch of people angry. Um, I always enjoyed the theme song for for House, which is Teardrop by Massive Attack. And at the time- Why are you upsetting anybody? Because at the time, I didn't know that it was a Massive Attack song. I wasn't familiar with Ah, Massive Attack. Don't worry about it. The version they use in the show is very, very, very good. Yeah, well, and since then, I have become a very large Massive Attack fan. And I wouldn't say it's because of Teardrop either. I think it was circumstantial. And then at one point, I was listening to whichever album- um, uh, some mezzanine, I think, or something like that. Anyway, whatever uh, album has teardrop on it, and I was like, "Wait, oh, oh my <laughs> word! I had no idea." It's a house song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I strongly recommend that. Also, teardrop is if you're in, if you're the kind of person who is wired to like cover songs, which I very much am, and I don't know if you are, Jose Mike or not. Gonzalez. Yep. Uh, Jose Gonzalez is one of many who do incredible covers. Yeah, of there Teardrop. are lots of really good covers of Teardrop. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's a very, very, very good song. Like that. Jose Gonzalez is probably the canonical cover. Um, I also really like. Oh shoot! What is the name of the band? I'll have to put it in the show notes. I can't remember the name of the band off the top of my head. Uh, Civil Twilight. There it is. Civil Twilight does a pretty good studio cover, but an incredible live cover that's somewhere on YouTube. We'll still have to put that in the show notes. I wonder why that song is so conducive to covers. Neither do I. It does not seem like it should be in any way, shape, or form, but it is. Yeah, I completely agree. Huh. Anyways, uh, I don't even know if I would say that's my favorite theme song, but it is an example of uh, using a pre-existing song where I think they got away with it in my mind because I wasn't familiar with it. But generally speaking, if I already know the song, I don't particularly care for it being used as a theme song. Um, what's my favorite of all time? It is Mike's least favorite of all time, which is the theme for um, uh, Firefly, the TV series. I, <sighs> I, think it's a catch, I think it's a catchy song. I think the words are kind of good. And it just it, it's such a like warm, fuzzy, nostalgia feeling whenever I hear it, which I know you love so much, Michael. Um, with that said, what is your preference on, uh, its own unique bespoke theme or pre-existing? And do you have a favorite? I'm similar to you. I like songs that I learned because of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites, I don't know if I call it my actual like top favorite, but one of my favorites is the true detective season one song. I don't, I've never saw it. I have it, but I've never seen it. And I don't think I can hear it. Oh, it's good. It's good. Like that's one of the TV shows. Like I would watch the credits. Yeah. Um, for that. Like an animal. Uh, a favorite in our household is the song for the theme song of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I've never it's seen that either. A really silly song. So that's also a favorite in our household too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I really love the song for True Detective. It's very good. Oh, check that out. I have a question for you. So I have a question for yes, you. Yes, yes, yes. Do you skip intros? Uh, yes, wherever possible I do. Me too. Because I'm mostly binge television. So... I don't need to see the same thing every hour. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly right. Actually, uh, another uh, tangent, uh, off your tangent, if you please, sir. Do you enjoy or dislike the way Apple TV is releasing episodes where they do like a batch of three up front and then it's weekly after that? Are you in favor of this or do you not like it? Uh, I like it. It's fine. 
It's fine. Like I, I don't need all of my content to be binge worthy, like to be bingey content. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, my feeling: if you're going to do the weekly, I want more than one at the beginning. I Agreed. like a, a, a small handful, and then give me weekly. Yep. Like let me get hooked on the show by watching multiple episodes, and then I'll go from there. That's kind of what I like. But I don't mind. I don't mind the weekly release. Um, but I do love the Netflix model for some shows, like Terrace House and Queer Eye. I just want to watch them all as soon as I get them. But the problem is, so with, with, with Terrace House, I really actually wish that was weekly because it's occurring every week, but they batch them up to translate them into English. Oh, interesting. And so they do like maybe 10 or 15 at a time, but that leaves these huge gaps and then you just pick it up where, you, where it was left off. But in Japan, they're every week. Hmm. But they leave these massive uh, gaps, like really big gaps. Like they start late and then they bunch up a bunch of them, put them out and then wait again. And uh, I would prefer to get that every week um, on a delay. Mm. Like, you know, that's that's what I would prefer. So then I don't have to wait. Like we've wait, we're waiting, we have waited like two months for the next set of them. And it's mm. like, I want it all at once. Because <laughs> when we first came to Terrace House, uh, there was no active season, so we got to watch it, sure. like all of the back catalog, binging it, and that is my favorite way to watch that show. So yeah, that was me with Breaking Bad. I came into it in between like the the third or fourth and fifth season or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, um, and and so I binged most of it, and then all of a sudden I had to wait every week, and that was. That was painful, man, especially on Breaking Bad, which every moment of that show was a cliffhanger, much less, you know, the gaps between episodes. Ah, man. Good show, though. Mike, what time of day are you most awake and what do you schedule into that time to get done? I don't have it. Oh, interesting. So you're always asleep? I don't feel like I have a time every day where I can be like, that's the time. Like, w- one of the things for me is like I will do a lot of my work around coffee times, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I have coffee in the morning and I know I've got like a couple of hours where I'm going to be ready to go, but it's not actually related to a time of the day as such. You know what I mean? Sure, like, sure, I know sure. Some people are like, oh, I'm most productive between 11 and 2. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. have that. And it's because I think my day is so varied like none of my days are the same yeah that in schedule wise like about the times that i would be like working on scheduled things right mm-hmm. so every single day of the week for me is completely different so i i wouldn't even be able to be effective in that way anyway yeah yeah that makes sense uh for me i have a very regular schedule unlike you and so i would say the mornings have for most of my life always been my most productive uh, I'm the kind of person that normally once I open my eyes, I'm pretty much wide awake. And normally once I get out of bed, I can pretty much do anything I can. I don't mean that in like a, a boasty way. I'm just saying like I could exercise. I could do thinking work. It, I don't need a lot of ramp up. That's part of the reason why I personally am so opposed to coffee is because I don't, I, I don't trust myself not to get to the position where I cannot operate without it. And, and so for me, I don't have any particular morning routine other than eating some sort of breakfast that gets me jump started. Uh, I, as we've covered on this show and on ATP, I shower in the evening, so it's not like a morning shower gets me jump started. Basically, just getting out of bed is all I need to be okay. And I find my most productive times tend to be between breakfast and lunch. And then after lunch, it's 
Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. It depends on the day. Dear listeners, during your next productive time, please send a tweet with the hashtag Relay of Fields with the questions that you would like to hear us answer on future episodes. Bye.